Well, looky who decided to join us. I'm here. Sorry for the delay. Late, late, late. <laughs> for a very important date. No time to say goodbye. Hello, you're late, you're late, you're late. Very good, very good. I'm out of breath. I need a second. <laughs> <laughs> I was rushing around and then ran up the stairs. <sighs> I'm going to have a sip of my coffee. Hi. Welcome back. I'm Stacy. And I'm Pete. This is the We Don't Want to Grow Up podcast. If you're new here, hi, welcome. If you're an oldie. But still a goodie. <laughs> nice to see you, as always. Yes. We feel your presence here in the room. It's a little creepy. <laughs> just kidding. You're like the ghost of Christmas present. Could you move back just a little? Give me a little space, please. <laughs> this is my dance space. Yeah. This is your dance space. Spaghetti arms. Spaghetti okay. arms. It's for dirty dancing. <laughs> uh. All right. Well, we are very close to wrapping up our holiday episodes. We are. We didn't have a lot of new ones this year. We did not. And somehow it still felt very busy. Yeah, I don't know how it did. Like we had quite a few re-releases, but it's not like those don't come with work. Right. It's less work, but still work overall. Yeah. <laughs> fun work, though. Yeah, very fun work. Work work itself has been busy for me. Yes, true. True. True story. So because of all the busyness, we wanted to remind you, we've mentioned it a few times. We've actually mentioned it a lot over the past year. <laughs> it's coming. That we were going to take a break. Yes. We just wanted to give you a really decent notice. Runway. <laughs> that we would be taking a real break. A break with no re-releases. No filler. No filler. No anything. Except for our social media presence. And Patreon. And Patreon, of course. Yes. So this will be, I believe, our last episode before we take the break. Yes. And yeah, I, I just feel like it's time. It's been a whole year since we've taken one. Which is astounding. It is astounding. We are hard workers. <laughs> yeah. We just like to keep you happy. We do. Keep you full of cozy goodness. You know, the warm and fuzzies. But we think it'll be okay. You know, we will be back. Sometime soon, could be a few weeks, could be a month, and we will be returning. We'll be returning with, we already have some things recorded. We do. We have our season two recap of Felicity. Yes. And we'll have, obviously, lots more movies and games. Maybe Pete's Alice in Chains episode might finally get recorded. Listen, it's written. The script just needs a little punching up. <laughs> and of course, my favorite are my so-called life recaps. I'm excited to get back to those. And if you haven't listened to those yet, you have time to get caught up. We've done episodes one through six. Lots more of Angela Chase and Jordan Catalano to come. <laughs> we're definitely having a time. Yes, we are. And if you're missing us while we're gone, there are other ways you can keep in touch with us. Like I said, on our social medias, we're on Instagram at We Don't Want to Grow Up Pod. Come check us out on TikTok at We Don't Want to Grow Up. You can always email us at we don't want to grow up pod at gmail.com. You can send us your nostalgic stories, pictures. You can ask for a show and tell questionnaire and we'll get it back to you if you'd like to participate and be featured on the podcast or on our Instagram page. If you'd like to get to know some of our other listeners and nostalgia lovers, come join our Facebook group, The Cozy Club Dash Fans of We Don't Want to Grow Up. 
A big shout out to our mod, Joanna, who keeps things going over there. We have a great little community, and I feel like we're slowly getting to know each other. It's pretty great. It is great. I love it. It always makes me smile when I see a new person posting something. Maybe it's something that's nostalgic for them, and they want to see if anybody there remembers it. And then a lot of times, like, big conversations happen, you know, off of that. And it's just great. I love it. And if all of that is not enough... You feel like you still need more. You can always come join our Patreon and you gain access to nearly 50 bonus episodes at this point. They're exclusive. They've not been released to the public and we'll still be releasing new episodes there because that's a promise that we make when you sign up for our Patreon. At least one bonus episode per month. We try to do two. Sometimes it's more just depending on what we're doing. Mm-hmm. But you can go to patreon.com slash we don't want to grow up to join. Also, don't forget, we now have a merch shop. It's over at we-don't-wanna-grow-up.myspreadshop.com. We have a lot of items over there. There's three designs. Go check it out. Pick your favorite. Grab a sweet hoodie or a Christmas jumper. (laughs) We're British now. We're British. (laughs) And a quick reminder, if you haven't been doing this, You've got to listen for the outtakes that we've been putting in at the end of most of our episodes lately. Yes. They, I mean, maybe it's just because it's us, (laughs) (laughs) but they make me laugh to tears a lot of the time. They're great. And I'm excited because like there are so many things in the past that like I'll be crying laughing at while I'm editing and wishing I could leave it in, but like it's too crass or it's just because we messed up right. or we get going on something that we cannot stop laughing. <laughs> but I end up cutting it out. And now I kind of get to keep that fun stuff and throw it in at the end for right. a little a little treat. We just had a triple outtake. Yes. And coming up an episode, it, it'll already have been out by now. Our Die Hard episode. There's yeah. like six outtakes at the end. <laughs> I just couldn't choose. I'm like, I'm leaving all of these in. Why limit ourselves? (laughs) And last but not least, we just want to tell you at the end of this year, 2022, that we really do appreciate your support so much. Listening to the podcast, giving through our Patreon, buying our merch, following us on social media, you know, giving us those five star ratings and writing nice reviews, telling other people about the podcast. It's just been a really great year and we're so happy that you're here with us and that you don't want to grow up either. It has been a great year. Thank you to you in particular for all the work that you do. Thank you to you, the listener, for listening and for those that do participate. Thank you for that as well. All right. It's time for us to get going. Get going. (laughs) It's show and tell. Ooh, who we got this week? This week we have Katie. Katie was born in 1980. Says she is 42 and a half. (laughs) Do you remember that growing up where you always had to say like, I'm six and a half. Yes, because you always just wanted to be older when you were a kid. Absolutely. (laughs) Then you hit a certain point and you want to go backwards. (laughs) Katie's favorite 80s movies, The Goonies or Steel Magnolias. She said she can't choose because they're so different, which is true. Yeah, and that's okay. Favorite 80s song, Circle in the Sand by Belinda Carlisle. Circle in the sand, round and round, never ending love is what we found. Favorite 90s movie, Romeo and Michelle's High School Reunion. Favorite 90s song, Hold On by Wilson Phillips. Tell that baby, are you gonna let him hold you down and make you cry? 
Favorite 80s show, Murder, She Wrote, and Full House. Favorite 90s show, My So-Called Life, and Days of Our Lives. Mm -hmm. Toy that she left, Barbie dolls. But I want to know which of those Barbie dolls yes. is your fave. She'll have to let us know if you make a little post for her. Yes. Favorite book, The Westing Game by Ellen Raskin. Favorite place in the mall, Great American Cookie. Ooh. She says, I worked there in 1997. Those cookies always look so delicious. I remember one of my friends that I used to always go to the mall with would get the double doozies. You ever heard of those? Is it the double stack chocolate chips with frosting in the middle? I think so, yeah. That's a guess. I just remember the name and I remember that they were delicious. I bet they were. And then anything else that she would like to add at the end. She said, I loved riding my bike to my best friend Karen's house every afternoon and all summer long so that we could make up adventures. Very Stranger Things vibes there. Very nice. I love that. It was so fun just roaming around on your bike, visiting friends, getting into trouble or right. not trouble. Yeah, just adventuring around. No telling what was going to happen. We'd go out in the cornfields, be riding tractors, then we'd be out in the woods playing at the falls. No telling. Best. The best. Well, thank you, Katie. Thanks, Katie. And now for our feature presentation. <laughs> you finally got this one through, didn't you? I'm so excited. This is one of my all-time favorite movies in general. And I don't know that it's really considered a Christmas movie or a holiday movie. It's, it's kind of Christmas adjacent, right? Yeah, it's set during the time. Of Christmas. Parts of the movie Parts are set. Of it. Yeah. yeah. It is from 2001, Serendipity. Coney Island to the Sunset Strip. Somebody's gonna make a happy trip tonight. While the moon is bright. I used to have this poster hanging on my bedroom wall in my apartment in Florida. Also, I have to mention, and you'll hear some of the songs as we go through, I really loved this soundtrack. I still listen to it a lot. Yeah, it is jam-packed, full of very atmospheric and dreamy dreamy music. It is. Except they ruin it with the song that's playing during the end credits. <laughs> they do. It's an Evan and Jaren song. And I remember another song by Evan and Jaren that I liked, Crazy for This Girl. I don't really know any of their other songs, I think. But this song in particular, we were just cracking up because it reminds us of like a praise and worship song it did <laughs> i was like they've just ruined this whole soundtrack with playing this song right here yeah like i was back in the con center <laughs> running sound for some no some band that no one ever heard of on a friday night we went to a christian college so it just it, it brings up some memories <laughs> <laughs> they really just should have asked me what song to play there i feel like that would have been your perfect job i know that's my dream. So this is a rom-com directed by Peter Chelsom and written by Mark Klein. Now, summary-wise, we've got a choice. We've got the one-sentence version, <laughs> or we've got the extended-length paragraph. <laughs> we'll call it the Star Wars A New Hope <laughs> length version. <laughs> we have to choose. That's going to be so confusing if people don't know what we're talking about there. If you don't know that reference, well, then you haven't listened to all the episodes and you should go scour them because I can't remember which one it was in. <laughs> I know. Basically, you read the short version and I'll do the Star Wars extended version. <laughs> all right. Okay. So here's the short one. A couple search for each other years after the night they first met, fell in love, 
and separated, convinced that one day they'd end up together. Yeah, I just feel like that's not good enough. I mean, listen, it is succinct and to the point. I actually really appreciate that description. Right, but it doesn't involve like the magic and the point of the title of the movie. Let me try. All right. Give it a go. All right. Jonathan Traeger and Sarah Thomas are both Christmas shopping in Bloomingdale's. Wait a minute. On a Monday night, December 21st. I'm just kidding. (laughs) (laughs) They happen to reach for the last pair of black cashmere gloves. They're both planning to give them to their significant others. Jonathan gives up, lets Sarah take them, and she thanks him by buying him a fancy frozen hot chocolate at this little place called Serendipity. While they're there, Sarah explains that she first went to the place because of the name, serendipity. It's such a nice sounding word for what it means. A fortunate accident. Jonathan seems skeptical, but when they part ways, just a little while later, they find themselves back at serendipity because they've both left something behind and they decide that they just have to spend more time together. And they have this magical night. Even though they're both in relationships, it's really hard for them to deny this connection that they have. So Sarah has Jonathan write his name and number on a $5 bill and immediately spends it. She writes her name inside a book and tells him that she's going to go sell it to a a local bookstore. She wants to leave it all up to fate. He doesn't like that idea. So they go inside the Waldorf Astoria. They get into two different elevators opposite of each other. And Sarah says if they land on the same floor, they're meant to be together now. They end up not ending up on the same floor at the same time. They go their separate ways. now. Years have passed. They're both in serious relationships. Jonathan's about to get married. Sarah has just gotten engaged. But the universe starts sending both of them signs and they start thinking about each other again. And it really becomes this fun ride for the audience as we watch the two of them having all of these near encounters, you know, and you're rooting for them the whole way. At least I was. You know, will these tiny moments of serendipity finally bring the two of them together at the perfect time? Well, you got to watch or you got to keep listening to find out. Wow. So much better than (laughs) my A New Hope, very technical readout of Star Wars. (laughs) Bravo, my love. That was fantastic. Thank you. I was zeroed in. I could not stop listening. (laughs) Did it make you want to watch the movie again? It did. (laughs) And I want to have a hot chocolate that's frozen. (gasps) Oh, yes. Have you ever been? No, we tried that one time. Oh, yeah. We did try to go to Serendipity. The line was too long and we did not want to stand there. It's true. Also, we had Pete's sister and brother-in-law there with us. And I felt like we were doing all of this just for me. And I didn't want to make them have to stand there and wait. I feel like they would have. They would have. But I would have been feeling the whole time like they didn't want to be doing that. Right. I know what you mean. Okay. So our cast, John Cusack as Jonathan Traeger. Kate Beckinsale. As Sarah Thomas. Molly Shannon as Eve. She's Sarah's bestie. Bridget Moynihan as Hallie Buchanan. That's Jonathan's fiance. Jeremy Piven, Pivs, as Dean Kansky, Jonathan's best friend. John Corbett as Lars Hammond. That's Sarah's fiance. And Eugene Levy, who's the Bloomingdale salesman. It's fun facts. It's time for fun facts. Oh, and you know what? What? By the time we get back from break... I could possibly have by Rolly Seaboard 2. Oh, he has been talking about this thing for like two years now. <sighs> two years. Well, I was originally talking about the Rolly Seaboard 1. Oh, sorry. <laughs> COVID happened and they stopped making that. So I was very distraught. The company recovered. They've released the Rolly Seaboard 2. This is not an ad. This is not an ad. 
The shipment is supposed to happen this next week. I will believe it when I see it. I'll believe it when I hear it. Yes. I can't wait. (laughs) All the songs you're going to make up for me. Oh, my goodness. for the podcast. The problem is I have not played keyboard or piano in quite a few years. I'm sure you'll pick it right back up. It'll take some time. I'm going to have to sacrifice video game time. Oh, no. To relearn how to play. Well, it's a good thing we'll be on a podcast break, so you'll have some extra time. Yes. (laughs) All right. Fun facts. Hit them up. I think my favorite fun fact about this whole movie is it's obvious if you're a Sex and the City fan. If you've never watched and you think that you might one day... Spoiler alert. Yeah, fast forward a minute. (laughs) I just always thought it was really funny that Jonathan is engaged to Hallie, played by Bridget Moynihan, who plays Natasha, Big's wife on Sex and the City. And then Sarah is engaged to Lars, played by John Corbett, who plays Aiden, who is one of Carrie's major relationships on Sex and the City. Carrie and Big, here's the big spoiler, were cheating on Natasha and Aiden with each other at the same time in season three. Wow. I can only recall like one time that I think Aiden and Natasha were ever in the same scene on the show and their characters in serendipity were never in a scene together. Oh, that's right. But both characters that both of them played in this movie and Sex and the City really got the short end of the stick. They did. But I do have to say like John Corbett's character, Lars, in this movie is quite goofy. Right. Yeah. But there's one time where he says she don't mind. It's very Aiden-esque. Yes, it, it does have that Aiden feel. It does. Like, I expect him to be like, hey, Pop-Tart, where hey. you been and what you been doing? <laughs> That's what I said when he first popped on the screen. I, I always forget that he's in this, but he comes out. He's got his long hair and his like velvet scarf scarf (laughs) and i'm like hey pop tart (laughs) see pete and i differ vastly in our opinions on aiden shaw yes not my favorite he's my favorite i know (laughs) so serendipity premiered at the 2001 toronto international film festival it opened up at number two at the u.s box office earning 13 million in its opening weekend and overall, it grossed $77.5 million on a $28 million budget. So it did quite well. Yes. Even though I was surprised to see the Rotten Tomatoes on it was, you know, green, not red. What does that mean? It got like a 59, so it was not certified fresh. Oh. Hmm. Well, I truly feel that this is a very underrated yeah, movie. Yeah, I would agree. You know, I think there are some things that are a little out there, but I think overall... As far as rom-coms go. It's good. It's really great. I feel like the acting is great in it. Yep. Good cast. Mm -hmm. Like, I don't know. I mean, if you're a fan of rom-coms, I don't know why you wouldn't be a fan of this one. That's right. So Carla Gugino and Claire Forlani both auditioned for the role of Sarah Thomas. And Jennifer Aniston was offered the role. But she turned it down because she was trying to avoid being typecast in rom-coms. What was she wanting to be typecast in? I kind (laughs) of... Chuckled at that because, like, obviously she went on to do many more rom-coms after that. But in 2001, she did do The Good Girl and Rockstar. So I can see where she was trying to branch out a little bit into some more, like, dramas. Fair enough, yeah. And the director, Peter Chelsom, said, quote, I distinctly remember Jennifer Aniston coming in to meet us. I remember when she came in, she said, I do a romantic comedy once a week, her being on Friends at the time. So she clearly had other things on her plate, and it was her decision not to do it. But she came in good faith without an offer, but we definitely would have made her an offer if she wanted to make it. Would have been a very different movie with her in there. Although I feel like I would have liked to have seen her with John. Yeah. 
you know, that would have been interesting. But I love Kate in this, so. Me too. So the movie was shot in New Jersey, New York City, Ontario, and San Francisco in the summer of 2000. Following 9-11, images of the World Trade Center towers were digitally removed from all skyline shots of New York City. Yeah. I never thought about the fact of like the timing of that. I was actually looking when we were watching it and I was like, this would have filmed in 2000. Where are the towers? Yeah. I feel like a lot of movies did that around the time. Yeah. So John Cusack and Kate Beckinsale filmed only a few days together during the shoot, much like their characters. They only saw each other for a limited time. Really? Yeah. Hmm. I mean, it kind of makes sense. It does. So during filming of this movie in New York City, the following note was posted on a production trailer. Quote, yes, we are filming a movie. It is called Serendipity. It stars John Cusack and some girl from Britain that you wouldn't know, (laughs) even if we told you her name. We will be shooting tonight until mid-morning. Please don't ask the crew any questions. Even if they don't look like they are working, they are thinking. End quote. Now, I thought this was funny, but also, like, I had seen Kate in Broke Down Palace with Claire Danes in 99. But, I mean, I'm not sure that I would have recognized her name yet. Right. And I looked because I was like, wait a minute. Like, I feel like she had been in some other things at that point. But Pearl Harbor did come out before Serendipity, but not before they were shooting the film. Okay. Now, I would have known her name after Underworld. Right. But that was later. It was later, right. Yeah. Still, I felt like that was kind of rude. Probably a little rude. Hurt her feelings yeah. if she read that. Some random British broad. <laughs> How rude. How rude. So the drink that Sarah and Jonathan have at Serendipity 3, as we mentioned before, is its famous frozen hot chocolate, which I have had before. Is it good? Delicious. Is it? Yes. Is it as good as it looks? Because it looks incredible. Yes. It was so good. Oh, dang it. Why but- didn't we go? <laughs> Yeah, it was so good. I went with my best friend, Sarah, to the one in Vegas. Oh, okay. Which I think has since closed. I'm pretty sure the one in New York is still there. Well, it was as of... 2016. Yes. I think. (laughs) But also, since the movie opened, the table where they sit has been called the star table at the restaurant. Okay. Which, you know what? I would have never even thought to be like, can we sit at the star table? Oh. You know? I wonder if if everybody does that. So Yeah, or I wonder if they even like consider that they're just like no <laughs> uh that's not open right now that's not and a thing it's reserved for stars that movie is old that's <laughs> <laughs> <sorry>, yeah. hey <laughs> <laughs> the book love in the time of cholera is mentioned in another john cusack movie high fidelity which came out in 2000 which we really need to watch that have you seen that i've seen it yes i don't you remember have. it but yeah you know i'm not sure how i missed it i mean i've always seen it around you know like seen the cover art for it and stuff i am always surprised when i see that it's from 2000 because i feel like it should be from like the 80s i think that's what i assumed like that he worked at a record store in the 80s right but no it was 2000 but i loved the remake which was a show on hulu starring zoe kravitz that's right loved it and i was heartbroken when it was canceled it was so good and so i don't know why i haven't gone back to watch it also i'm pretty sure Zoe's mom, Lisa Bonet, is in the original. Well, we will put it on the list for 2023. Yes. So Jonathan tells Sarah in the movie that he can make up the constellation Cassiopeia and the freckles on her arm. And in the movie, The Sure Thing from 1985, which I also have not seen. I have not seen that one. John Cusack's character points out the constellation Cassiopeia to Allison, his love interest. 
Interesting. I know. Now I want to go back and fact check that. But the people at Wikipedia. (laughs) They said so. Or IMDb say that this is a thing. Makes me wonder, is that like a consistent ad lib from John or has it just happened to be in the script? I think that that's had to have been in the script, especially with serendipity, because it it comes back up later. Yeah. Yeah, you're right. So John Cusack and Jeremy Piven were inseparable as kids and grew up together attending a theater school run by Piven's parents. They have done 10 movies together, starting with One Crazy Summer in 1986, Elvis Stories, 1989, Say Anything from 1989, The Player from 1992, Floundering, 1994, The Grifters, 1990, Gross Point Blank, 1997, Serendipity, 2001, and Runaway Jury in 2003. Yes, I have always really loved knowing that they were such great friends and did all these movies together. I came across something, though, while I was researching about the two of them having a falling out when Jeremy was riding the entourage wave of fame. Right. (laughs) But I saw kind of pointing fingers from both. So I don't know what the truth is. Any insight into what the finger pointing was? It was something about the other one not being supportive of the other one's success. Oh, Hmm. You know, but I can't say that any of it's true or real because I, I'm not sure. You know, I just saw a lot of different things. But I did see an article that was from I thought I wrote it down here, but I guess not like 2018. It was you know fairly recent right. where Jeremy Piven was talking about their friendship in like the present tense. Oh, good. So, so they've hopefully fixed it. That's my hope. My hope as well. I love people that are friends. Me too. <laughs> Fingers <laughs> crossed. So in the movie, Jonathan Traeger, of course, played by John Cusack, calls Dean Kansky, played by Jeremy Piven, Gerald, which is Cusack's real life pet name for Piven. Which I thought that was cute, too, because it's like, I'm assuming that it was just a slip up of him just kind of saying his nickname because they hang out all the time and they left it in. Because otherwise, like, I remember thinking, like, why does he say Gerald? Like, this doesn't make any sense. There's no basis for it. Right. (laughs) (laughs) I I just wonder if, like, the director or whoever edited it missed that or they just thought, "Uh, well, they're friends. Let's leave it. We'll let people figure it out. Yeah. (laughs) Along with this next fact. Yeah. So a gap of 12 to 15 years originally was intended for the time between Jonathan and Sarah's first meeting and their reunion. Mm. And the characters were initially written to be in their early 20s. But audiences felt that both Kate and John were not, quote, fresh faced enough to pull off their early 20s and that the timeline had not been sufficiently established to tell that the characters met in the late 80s, which blew my mind that that was even a possibility. Right. So are we saying that the footage that we have now that's in the movie was originally intended to be in the late 80s? That's what I'm gathering. But it's very nondescript. Like the way they're dressed, their hair. It's kind of like, I mean, I would, if I were guessing, I would say more mid 90s. Yeah. But even then, it's not like, oh, that's definitely the 90s. I could think that's definitely 2001, you know? Exactly. (laughs) I feel like that is extremely low effort as far as trying to put something in a time frame. Right. And that is very, very identifiable. I know. And in a way, I like it because it's subtle. 
And it's sometimes it's annoying the way people try to pull off the 80s or the 90s, like a, a certain era. Yeah. They go overboard with it and it doesn't feel authentic. Sure. A lot of people have gotten better at that mm-hmm. over the years. But I was shocked when I read that because when it jumps forward in time, it just says a few years later. Mm-hmm. So that doesn't make any sense. You know, I was like, I, I don't get it. So I think that they changed it by saying a few years later. Who knows if before it said like 12 years later. Right. And they changed it after audiences were like, this doesn't like make when? sense. What year is it now? Is this the future? Right. <laughs> <laughs> so eventually the film was edited to establish that there was a seven year gap. Right. And this was according to when she and her boyfriend lived with Mignon. Mignon. <laughs> in December of 1994. Like, that's kind of the only date that they really throw out there. And this was between the initial meeting of Jonathan and Sarah and their reunion. Yes. We were like detectives watching this movie, though. We were. <laughs> and they were very, very keen to stop us. That's right. We were pausing on when they were showing the receipt because, like, at first, it looked like a date, right? It said 12 slash, and then it was a blank. Blank. Slash 90. Yeah. And then later we saw they went further down on the receipt. Or maybe this was like later on the movie when Jonathan was looking at the receipt. Both. I think in that same scene. Oh, it was the same it, scene. It did continue to scroll down to the bottom of yes. the receipt. And then it said 12 slash 21 slash 9. And they wouldn't go over just a little bit to see what that last number was. And they did that twice yes. in that same scene because it cut back to it. And you're like, you did that. On purpose. <laughs> <laughs> but I, I'm pretty sure that it said four. You I'm do. pretty sure that it's 94. You have that assurance in your mind. I think you're right because that makes sense with what you've researched and what it looks like, too. Yes. So this would be like six or seven years later. Yeah. Like the current times. Right. So good job. Mystery solved. <laughs> it's so funny. A movie that I've seen. I mean, I don't even know how many times, but a lot. Obviously, I had the poster hanging on my wall. Right. Never really thought about that gap in time, like how long it was. I know. I think in my mind, I thought it was just like three years later. It did feel like three years for some I reason. I assumed that whoever was their boyfriend and girlfriend at the time were the people that they were getting ready to marry. Same here. But I guess that's not the case. It is not the case. And now <laughs> we know. And knowing is half the battle. All right. Are you ready to get into our final favorite moments of 2022? Oh, that sounds sad in a way. No, it's celebratory. (laughs) Okay. Okay. Yes, I am ready. Well, please, my dear, my love, (laughs) kick us off. Okay. So we talked about this a little bit in the movie description, but the first time that they're in serendipity and they're talking about, again, the name serendipity and what it means You know, Sarah's explaining she doesn't believe in accidents. She thinks fate's behind everything, that the universe sends us little signs and it's what we do with them that determines whether we're happy or not. Jonathan is just questioning her about it. Like I said, he seems a little skeptical, but slightly on board. And he says, Fortunate accidents, lucky discoveries, like Columbus in America. Yeah, or Fleming discovering penicillin. (laughs) Fleming was his name? Yes. Or Jonathan in the gloves. I don't know that one. You don't know that story? It's an old folktale, classic. Our hero Jonathan goes out in search of black gloves, and in a perfect act of serendipiosity or serendipatiousness, he runs into a beautiful, attractive English girl with a boyfriend. You have a boyfriend, right? Yeah, I do. That's what I thought. And you have the glove lady. Yes, I do. (sighs) Mm -hmm. 
It was a very nice time. First of all, right away, I was like, I like this guy yeah. because he's telling a story of Jonathan and the gloves and it's very cute. It is cute. <laughs> so as they part ways, he's not ready. You know, he doesn't want to just be like, bye, we're done. So he asks her for her number and she says that it's not the right time. If they're meant to meet again, they'll meet again. Absolute utter silliness. <laughs> <laughs> she won't even tell him her name. Not even her first name. Nope. She just kisses his cheek and says, Merry Christmas, Jonathan. And she gets in the cab. And one of my favorite songs, Moonlight Kiss by Bap Kennedy, is playing. We when Jonathan realizes that he's oh, forgotten his scarf and he has to head back to serendipity. Then it cuts to serendipity, and we see that Sarah is actually back there as well, grabbing a shopping bag with the gloves that she left under the table. Then she spots his scarf, picks it up, and she turns around just as Jonathan is coming up the steps, and they see each other. And, you know, they say, hey. She puts the scarf around his neck. He just says, Let's go do something. All right. What do you want to do? I don't care. I don't care. I don't care. Like, he is shook. He is. I actually have chills right now. There's a lot of moments in this movie that give me chills. Right. And I could see how, like, maybe somebody could watch this and not feel anything. But I believe in in this magic. I believe in fate. I believe in all of the synchronicities and things that lead you to each other, mm-hmm. lead you to whatever, whoever you're meant to be with. Right. So I think even as I watch it more and more, as I get older, those moments just feel powerful to me or like electric. And he, they both do such a good job with portraying that feeling of like the realization of like, holy sh- Yes. Like both of them having that realization that, oh, something's happening here. Yes. Like this means something. Yeah. So that ties in well with my first favorite moment because they leave there. Where do they head? Wallman Rink, the ice skating rink in Central Park. What I put here was magical. Yes. It's in the middle of the park, right? Which first of all is so amazing in a city like that, but it's surrounded by lit Christmas trees or fake lit Christmas trees. And it's just this tiny little island of Christmas lights in the middle of the city. They share their favorite things. They're just getting to know each other. They are, right? And she asks him his favorite New York moment, and he says, this one's climbing the charts, which is great. And she says, I'm flattered. And then she's flattened because, boom, there she goes down onto the ice. She cuts her elbow. He's got to put a Band-Aid on her. Gross. And <laughs> He hates Band-Aids. I do hate Band-Aids. Stickers. But I love that moment. Yes. Flattered to flattened. <laughs> I'm <laughs> flattened. That's an, an alternate name to this movie. Yes. That's the UK version. <laughs> Just kidding. <laughs> and actually, my next moment ties right into that because they go and sit on the bench After Sarah has fallen, and that's where he's taking care of her, putting the gross Band-Aid on. (laughs) And they start talking about her freckles. And Jonathan says, you know, he's, again, this is a very romantic moment. Lance romance, one would say. He's looking at her freckles, and he is saying that they look like the constellation Cassiopeia. And he draws it. He goes and grabs a pen, and he draws it on her arm as he's telling the story. There's a moment in the story where he says, one tragic mistake, she paid for eternity. And it's like this, again, like charged moment of like, Mm -hmm. don't make the mistake of walking away from this. Like, obviously we have something here, but he's not saying it, but he's saying it with his eyes. Right. And he kisses her arm and it's snowing. It's just a sweet moment and it holds a lot of emotion for them. I did think... That right then they were about to kiss because it's like you get the eyes down at lips. Yes. But then he gets this look on his face just like, 
Yeah, we both knew we were going to kiss there, but we didn't. Right. And then, sorry, go ahead. That's okay. And then cut to the end of the movie when Sarah and Lars are on the horse-drawn carriage. And they pull to a stop in front of the same skating rink. Right. And Lars is on the phone. Sarah gets out and just is like, this is where we are. You know, again, it's just hitting her like all these signs. And she goes and she sits down on the same bench that she and Jonathan had sat on together. And then Lars comes and he sits down and he says, Oh, look at those stars. They all have names, you know. I, I don't know what that is. And she looks up and she takes off her jacket to compare her freckles to the constellation that they're seeing. And she knows it's Cassiopeia, the stars in the sky. It's Cassiopeia. was that good that was perfect (laughs) but i love that too because again it's like first of all i don't think you could actually see the stars in manhattan that was my thought as you were saying that but i was like well you know i don't want to ruin this moment (laughs) (laughs) no (laughs) i know i I never really have thought about that before but i did think about it this time i was like i don't think they would even be seeing these stars because i mean he's like oh look at those stars and they're just like tons of stars in the sky it's gorgeous i'm like no you only see the stars like that if you are like in a field with no light yes zero light pollution (laughs) not the most light pollution (laughs) on earth maybe right (laughs) maybe second place behind like singapore but very close right but still i love the tie-in and again like another big old sign from the universe saying you're supposed to be with jonathan that's right all right my next moment when jonathan opens his gift from hallie oh and it is the book the book love in the time of cholera it's the book it's the book she wrote her i'm not taking over that but it's the book that jonathan has been looking for all these years. years yes And he's identified this book previously, right? But it's never the one that has Sarah's name in it. And he sees it, right, when he opens it. And he is, I mean, absolutely gobsmacked. Because even if it's not the book, it's still the book. Right. It's like, really? My future wife just (laughs) gave me this book that I've been looking for because of this other woman? Yeah. I actually feel bad for Hallie there. I do too. You know, these two got it wrong all those years ago. And now they're getting it right, unfortunately. He opens it up. Sarah's name is in there. When you know that you know who you love, you can't deny it or go back or give up. We cut to a scene where Jonathan and Dean are in the cab together and Jonathan shows him the book. And the look and emotion on John Cusack's face are perfect. Like... You feel what he's feeling like, yep, this just happened. Yep. Even and, Dean knows too, right? He's yeah. very, like, Jonathan's very emotional at that point. Yes. And Dean has been riding along with him on this journey this whole time. But in this moment, it, it hit him too. He's like, oh, this like, is real. Wow. Yeah. Like, oh, all this fate, destiny, serendipity BS is real because yep. his bride just gave him this book <laughs> that he's been looking for. So great. Uh, and I, I love too, because Jonathan, like, Just as Dean gets on the phone immediately trying to get Sarah's now Sarah's number and location, Jonathan just like like pats Dean's arm really fervently with like, yep, this is happening. You know, like I have chills. It makes me emotional. It does. And then the song that's playing there, too, is When You Know by Sean Colvin. And I, I love that, too. And it just is perfect. Okay, number three on my list. After Jonathan has called off the wedding. 
Dean gives Jonathan an obituary that he has written for him because Dean writes obits for the New York Times. Right. And Jonathan is walking around the city reading it. We get Dean reading it in a voiceover. Jonathan Traeger, prominent television producer for ESPN, died last night from complications of losing his soulmate and his fiance. And Jonathan ends up at the skating rink, the same skating rink. And he sits down on the bench, the bench where they saw Cassiopeia. Mm-hmm. And he finds a jacket there that happens to be the jacket that Sarah had left there earlier when she was sitting there with Lars. He doesn't know it's hers, of course, but he picks it up anyway. And he walks out to the middle of the rink and it's snowing. And this is, it was already spring, but they make several comments of like, what happened to spring? You know, but and I know that happens in New York too. Like it could sure. snow until May. Right. I have a feeling that this is probably like March-ish or April. Looks it. So he sits down in the middle of the rink. He pulls out the glove from his pocket and he lays down using the jacket as a pillow. And he's just watching the snowfall. And suddenly another black cashmere glove flies through the air and lands on him. And in the wide shot, we see him laying there, like head up, looking at the glove. And Sarah is standing there behind him, crying. It's such a magical moment. Northern Sky by Nick Drake is playing, and it is perfect. Perfect song. He stands up. He has a single tear running down his cheek. When they show the close-up on Sarah, she's all welled up and crying, and they slowly walk towards each other, and then they shake hands and reintroduce themselves. I'm John. I'm Sarah. And then they kiss, and the kiss shifts to them kissing at Bloomingdale's. It's their anniversary. And, you know, Jonathan is saying how they're going to return to the scene of the crime every year. You know, the place where they first met, where they bought the gloves. And they're about to do a toast. And then Eugene Levy's character pops up <laughs> with his antics. You yes. Know? Cool Yule is playing again like it was at the beginning of the movie. It's a really fun way to go out. I'm so you. Have you that's feels Christmassy again. Perfect. All right. My third favorite moment, Eugene Levy tricking Jonathan into buying a $700, at least $700 purple suit. And it looks like velour. Very velour. (laughs) Um, And then once Jonathan finds out that Eugene tricked him because Jonathan just wanted information, information that was in Eugene's system. And Eugene knew that it wasn't in there, but still was like, yeah, if you buy this suit and get me to my sales quota, I'll give you the information. Mm -hmm. Finds out he doesn't have it. I love that Jonathan then threatens to cut him. You crossed the line. Stop saying that or I will cut you. You better find a way to help me right now. (laughs) That's extortion. (laughs) I'll cut you. And I love like right at the very end of it, Eugene, always the salesman breaks out some, they look to be red, perhaps brown crocodile leather shoes, Yes, which, uh, you know, Traeger is not happy about. Yeah, he just hits them out of his hands. He does. <laughs> I love that scene, though. It's good. I love their interactions. Yeah, they're very good. Okay. So honorable mentions, some HMs. I have a few. Not as many as you had for Die Hard, though, I will say. Not quite as many. (laughs) I feel like you've let yourself down here. (laughs) I probably have. Okay, so when Sarah and Jonathan decide to go test fate 
at the Waldorf Astoria, and they're going to get in the elevators opposite each other and see if they land on the same floor. Which, in Jonathan's defense, he hits the right button. Uh, Yes, which means they are meant to be together. The audience knows. Yes. They are meant to be together. We'll talk about why. Yes. It didn't work here in one of my HMs. Yes. So they're looking at each other, and Sarah quickly throws the Bloomingdale's bag to Jonathan with one glove that she's held on to the other glove. It's like Cinderella or something. Yeah. And before the doors close, she says, It's Sarah. My name's Sarah. And they look in each other's eyes, and the doors close. What a moment. And knowing, too, like watching it back now, knowing like, oh, you are not going to see each other for seven more years. Seven more years. Because we're attached to those characters, but it's it's tough. It's a tough moment, actually. It is. All right. My first HM tied to that moment. The whole reason that they don't end up on the 23rd floor together. Jonathan's elevator stops on an earlier floor. In walks this dad with his little kid who's in a devil outfit. (laughs) And oh, my God, the kid walks in and immediately starts hitting all of the buttons. First of all, he's like Buddy and Elf. He is like Buddy (laughs) and Elf. But what I wrote here. What a little d- I hate that kid. <laughs> He's the worst. Also, why is he wearing a devil's costume? It's Christmas. Exactly. It's not Halloween. Yeah. Is there like some Christmas play with the devil? Like, <laughs> Could be. Yeah. Could be. <laughs> Let's be real. That's true. That's we true. Did, we have talked about Christian haunted houses and canceled those episodes every time we, we did. record them, <laughs> by the way. <laughs> but I will add. It was an extremely tense set of moments there as everybody kind of realizes what Jonathan is doing. Yeah. And they're all trying to get him to the right floor, but they can't cancel it because the little devil kid had hit all of the buttons. Yes. And maybe this is also kind of symbolic. Yeah. The devil getting in the way. Messing up their plans. Yeah, their plans. And the fact that they should have been together. Yeah, I wonder if that actually was the thought of like, oh, like, let's have this a-hole kid mess up Jonathan's elevator ride. Yeah. But wouldn't it be great if we put him in a devil's costume? Because then it's like, oh, the devil's getting in the way of God's plans for them. I think it might have been something similar. (laughs) I do love, though, how every time the doors open, there's more and more people on the elevator and everybody is there supporting him. Even the little kid is eventually, too. Like, he's excited to try to to see if it's the right floor and if she's there. And then they miss each other by just that much. Just that much. Both on that floor and then when they go down into the lobby again, it's just a split second. Yep. And then she goes around the bus. He comes right out and just misses her. Yes. Oh, torture. And that's what I was saying. Like, it's so fun watching it. It's, like, torturous to watch it, but it's so fun to just be like, oh, no, she was right there. And and they just, and they don't know. (laughs) They just just barely missed each other. Oh, goodness. All right. My next HM, the only good thing I will say about Lars, that man knows how to do a proposal. He does. So this scene is really beautiful. We see that Sarah now lives in San Francisco. So we see a lot of shots around town. And then we see her home, which is really beautiful little cottage on the water. There's like a sailboat there. And it's just really a great place. Waiting in Vain by Annie Lennox is playing. Summer is here. I'm still waiting there. Winter is here. I'm still waiting there. Beautiful song. 
Yes. And she walks in the door and it is gorgeous. Candles lit everywhere, fire going. And there's a huge gift box there. She opens the one box and then it's the age old box in a box, box in a box in a box box, until you get down to a very small box and then a ring box. Step one. (laughs) (laughs) Open that box. Open the box. (laughs) So she opens it. It's empty. And all of a sudden, you hear John Corbett's voice. You gotta say yes first. I was really excited the first time that I saw this movie. I was like, what? (laughs) John Corbett? And then I quickly realized, you know, what a goof his character is. But I did always like this line after he proposes. They're talking about the honeymoon. And he's like, how does Bora Bora sound? And she says, very sexy, sexy. (laughs) (laughs) I feel like I quote that a lot. As you should. (laughs) <laughs> All right, my next HM, how messy Hallie and Jonathan's room and bed is, like to a ridiculous degree. <laughs> we watch a show called Summer House, which has a spinoff called Winter House, but there's a person on there, Sierra, who has, I mean, in real life, the messiest bed and bedroom that I've ever seen. This has to be as messy as hers. <laughs> and we were like, it's like Sierra's bed. Yeah. But in their defense... Hallie did tell him, I cleaned out the closet, da 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 So that's why all the stuff is on the bed. I think this is a Tuesday for them. No, because that's why he finds the Bloomingdale's bag with the glove, because she has emptied out the closet. I know that she's created a new mess, but I see the state of their apartment, (laughs) and it is not tidy. Listen, they are about to get married in a few days. It's stressful. I remember- We had someone come clean our house, which we've never done before or since, but we had someone clean our house before our wedding because we were having our rehearsal dinner here. That's because we needed it deep cleaned. Our bed was not in the state that their bed was. This is not what my point is. My point is that it's because the only reason that we had her come, it's not because we needed a deep clean. It's because I was too stressed out and you were too stressed out to worry about trying to make our house party ready for guests and for people who've probably never been to our house before. Like that was the last thing we needed to be worrying about. Right. I was building tables still. Right before our wedding. (laughs) (laughs) Also, the cleaning lady shaded me. She did. Because of my baseboards. Your baseboards were not our baseboards were not clean. They were not. I'm sorry. Sometimes we still live like a college student and I don't clean my baseboards. Yeah. And also, that's why you're there. Shut your mouth and clean the baseboards. (laughs) Shut your mouth, funny guy, and clean it. (laughs) Anyway, she was like poking the bear, though, at that point. Like, I was trying really hard not to be a bridezilla. Right. But I was like, are you kidding me? I didn't say that. I held my tongue, but I was livid. Yeah, because she came when I was at work and you were at the house. Yeah. And she had a running commentary while she was cleaning. Yeah. And I'm just like, I don't think that that's necessary. Like you're here to clean. Right. Why are you going to like shade me? Yeah. And if it was perfectly clean, you wouldn't be here. Right. And then she tried to, you know, sell herself like her services, you know, like weekly or something after that. And I was just like, (laughs) no, thank you. (laughs) Like, even if we did, it wouldn't be you because I would want someone (laughs) who wouldn't be mean to me about my house and make exactly. me feel bad. Exactly. Anyway, I'm going to go clean the baseboards after this. I do make a point to clean the baseboards if I'm cleaning in a space now. Yeah. She has shamed us enough. Yes. Lasting impact. <laughs> but to tag on to the very end in support of my opinion, 
even the super noticed it when he went in. He commented on it, too. <laughs> and also, the super needs to get out of here. Why? You don't need to make comments about other people's <laughs> homes. He's the super. He actually owns the space. I, I oh. can accept that from the super. Whatever. Again, they're about to get married. Leave them alone. <laughs> All right. Next up for me, Sarah everywhere. I love leading up to the wedding. Jonathan is seeing Sarah everywhere. There's a girl at Top Golf named Sarah. There's the girl who's getting ready to cut his hair for his wedding named Sarah. Mm-hmm. He's in a cab and there's a bike messenger next to him singing Sarah Smile by Hall and Oates. It's you. And me forever, Sarah, smile. He's a mess. And this is what drives him to start looking for her again. There's too many signs to ignore. And I get it, right? Yes. Like he noticed them all. And in the end, it was just too much. He had to give in. He did. The universe had spoken. (laughs) Okay. My next one, a small one, but... I love the scene where Dean is fighting with Eugene over the cell phone when they're searching for Sarah's documentation for when she signed up for credit for Bloomingdale's. Yes. And (laughs) I don't know. It's just funny to me as they're like hand fighting over this phone. They don't even know each other. And they just automatically have that dynamic. Yes. (laughs) It's very good and very funny. I really appreciate the interactions between the two of them. Eugene answers Dean's phone for him uh, yeah, because Dean it's just was ringing. trying to avoid a work call. He was. And he just picks it up and he's like, hello. <laughs> <laughs> and then won't give him the phone. It's your boss. <laughs> <laughs> All right. Next up. So Sarah has just broken up with Lars. She's on the plane, ready to head back home to San Francisco. She's buying headphones from the flight attendant and she gets out her purse and realizes that she has mixed up her purse with Eve's purse. We had seen earlier that they both have fake Prada bags, but Sarah's says Prada and Eve's says Prado. <laughs> Which, by the way, this never would have happened. Like, Sarah never would have been able to get on the plane without her ID. Yeah. Right? Which would right. have been in her purse. Unless she well, had her passport, maybe. But Yeah, maybe she had her passport like separately. Because separate even before 9-11. You still had to show ID. Yeah, you still had to show ID. Yeah. But that's neither here nor there. (laughs) We have already seen that Eve picked up the $5 bill with Jonathan's number on it. Yes. When she and Sarah were at Serendipity, but Sarah didn't see it. So she pulls this $5 bill out and hands it to the flight attendant. And then it catches her eye, that pink highlighter. (laughs) Yeah, she starts to notice it like slowly. Like, what? What's that? And it just hits her. All of a sudden, she snatches it back. I had chills. I have chills right now, actually. (laughs) A lot of these moments... Like I said before, where they're realizing that it's a big sign, like just really made me emotional. (laughs) (laughs) Uh, Probably, like I said, more this time than it ever has. Maybe because I'm just paying attention more for the podcast. It could be. And I mean, I feel like it's been at least a year since you watched it. It has been a whole year. But yeah, I just love that moment, that realization. Like I found it. I got to get off the plane. I'm just happy she found it before the plane took off. Yeah, because nowadays, if that door's shut, doesn't matter if you feel like getting off the plane, you're not getting off of there unless you throw an absolute fit and get arrested. (laughs) And that's not how you want it to go down. No. All right. My next HM, when Jonathan and Dean have traveled to San Francisco to show up at Sarah's house, Dean has gone first to peak and he sees Sarah's sister in a moment of love. 
with her boyfriend <laughs> and then is trying to get Jonathan to not go over there because Dean thinks that's Sarah. Yes. And so I just love the scene of Jonathan dragging Dean as Dean's like grabbing his foot saying, no, don't go there. I know. Dean's like, maybe we should call first. <laughs> yeah, maybe we should call first. And I can see how Jonathan would think that that's Sarah because it's been a long time. And yeah. they do look similar. You they know? do. And he's only seeing her for a second and it's her house. So why wouldn't he think that's her? Right. Listen, Jonathan's crestfallen. Yes. Even Dean's got a tear in his eye. He was He was there for his buddy. Such a good friend. Yeah. So speaking of these moments making me emotional, the same thing happened when Sarah is back on the streets <laughs> in New York. <laughs> yeah. She goes to Jonathan's building and his neighbors tell her that he's getting married. And she grabs a cab. They're stuck in traffic. She gets out and runs to the Waldorf. And again, when she finds out that's where he's getting married. Yeah. Like, really? Again, the Waldorf? And <laughs> she gets there. She sees the sign and realizes that he is who Hallie is marrying. And she had met Hallie at the elevators with Eve. And Eve and Hallie know each other. Right. Again, it's like this whole... Not six degrees of separation, but... Everything's connected in this movie. It is. But actually, I noticed at the beginning of the movie when Jonathan first is going to get on the subway after he leaves Serendipity and he realizes he's left his scarf, there's a poster there and it says six degrees of separation. And I oh, always really? wondered if that was on purpose or not. Huh. But anyway. It's a good catch. <laughs> So Sarah goes, she runs to where the wedding is, swings the door open and yells, stop. And there's only one guy in there stacking up chairs. And she asks if it's over. And he says, oh, yeah, it's over. And she's heartbroken. She's starting to leave. And then he says, but don't worry. I'm sure you'll get your gift back. She looks at him and he's like, you asked if it was over. The truth is it never began. He called it off this morning. And her face when she realizes that he called it off. Yeah. Like the tears. He called it off. <sighs> Oh, again, such a good job conveying that shock and then the excitement, right. you know, the realization that they're really supposed to be together mm -hmm. and she runs out. She does. Oh. It's magical. And this isn't an HM. It's a question. So in the scene with the voiceover where Dean is reading the obit that he wrote for Jonathan. Mm -hmm. There's a part of it where Jonathan is, of course, walking through the city, but he's in this big, long walkway, a very wide walkway with like pink flower petals or tree leaves mm -hmm. in them. I'm just curious where that is in New York. I assume Central Park, but I've never walked there. I would love to go walk there. Right. I assume it's Central Park because he ends up at that same skating rink. In Central Park. Yeah, I think so. But it's like the view is into. But it looks like Central Park. Like a traffic me. circle somewhere. So I just need somebody with New York City experience to tell me where that is. Joanna. Joanna, we need you. <laughs> but yeah, and we've walked through Central Park as well, but I don't remember that particular area. Right. So next time we're there. We'll check it out. We have to make that walk. We have to. We have to. Yes, we've got <laughs> to find we've out. we've got to go to the skating rink. Yes, the full path that Jonathan walked. Yes. And we'll do it. <laughs> Any least favorite moments from you? Well, <laughs> I've mentioned that John Corbett, his character Lars, is a bit of an annoying at times. He's a goof, right? But I'd call him a cheese. D <laughs> <laughs> the worst part and best part is him playing his. Is it a Shania? What is it called? A Shania Twain. No. <laughs> Let's go, girls. Yes, it is a Shania. <laughs> 
also, there's a lot around him playing his Shanai. He's a very famous Shanai player. <laughs> Maybe the most famous. I don't want to make assumptions. Though. We don't know the world of Shanai playing. It's true. And honestly, I would kind of like a little flashback scene to see Lars and Sarah meeting for the first time and how he won her over because I just don't get it. Yeah. I mean, did he Kenny G her? <laughs> He just doesn't, I mean, I know we don't know a lot about Sarah. He just doesn't seem like he would be her type, but I don't know. Maybe she's just trying something different. Listen, yeah, I, it I happens. John Corbett, I find him attractive. I don't know that everyone does, but I mean, that's just the way that the world works. But like, I also think a lot of what makes him attractive is his charm and his personality and his, you know, and it's like, it'd be fine if he was a Shania player who was like a good partner. Right. Now he is at times, right? Like he's got some sweetness to him. A little bit, but he's so focused on the tour. Yes. And making it all about him. Like they are planning their honeymoon around his tour. Yes. And you can tell that she's not happy about it. She's probably just settling, right? And I think that's what this is showing. Yes. She's just settled. Well, and I think in most movies, they try to make the people that the lead characters are with, you know, big a-holes. So you don't even slightly want them to be together and you don't feel bad for them. Right. You know, but I actually do. We didn't really see their disappointment. We didn't get to see them end things with their significant others. You know, like they show Hallie give Jonathan the book, but we don't see like him tell her he can't marry her. Right. And I think that would have made it feel different to see her be sad over it. Yeah. You know what I mean? And I think that's why they didn't show us because they they wanted us to still root for Jonathan and Sarah, you know? Well, Hallie's a little bit more difficult. She does seem like a good partner. (laughs) She does. I mean, we didn't see much of her, but she seemed Yeah, there's just no spark. Right. Right. I think that's what it is. So that music is ingrained in my head for all eternity, but it's probably the most annoying part of the movie. Totally agree. But it's funny. And on top of Lars, I feel like Eve, Molly Shannon's character, and Eugene Levy's character, like, we don't ever hear his name. He just works it. Yeah, he's just the Bloomingdale salesman. Yeah. But they're comedians, so you kind of expect that from them. Yes. You know, to just kind of be a little a little offbeat, a little quirky. Some of what Eve does when she's, like, annoyed by Sarah for bringing her to New York is a little annoying to me, but that's just because I see the romance side of it. I'm not looking at it as like a, you pretended like you were bringing me here you lied for to my me. birthday. Yes. You know? This is all a lie. I flew across the country for a lie. Right. You're a bad friend. <laughs> <laughs> but in the end, you know, she yes. she was supportive. So. She was. But that's it. I mean, other than that, nothing. Minor really... quibbles. Minor. Yeah. Do you feel like there are any like plot holes or anything? Like, because there's a lot going on. Yeah. Like, do you feel like there's anything there that? No, I don't think so. I think I think they do a good job of setting it up. Me too. All right, so we're done with favorite moments. It's time for signs of the time, which we didn't have a whole lot. No, I only had one. You had a few. But again, I think it's because this movie was pretty nondescript as far as like any kind of like era in time. Right. But I did write down certs. Yes. Do people still eat certs? Do they still sell certs? I think they do. I love certs. I remember all the different flavors. Yeah. I mean, I would keep it pretty simple with the green. I like the green My certs. My dad always had the minty ones in, yeah. his, in his pocket. I remember being in church and asking him for a cert. Yeah. I've never been able to control myself with like certs or Tic Tacs. You just eat them all. Yeah. I'll get like a pack and I'll be like, okay, I'm going to take my time and have this for a couple <laughs> weeks. Right. Yeah. <laughs> Gone. 
probably three minutes, but I've got the freshest breath for at least like a half minutes. an hour. Yeah. <laughs> I wrote down this was pre internet bubble bursting because Dean is talking about in a negative way, these millionaire kids who all own internet companies. So this was right before yeah. that big bubble burst because you did have a lot of startups with a lot of people who at the time had on paper a lot of wealth. Right. And then it all went away. <laughs> Only like 10 remained. <laughs> Back to the starts for a second. Yeah, sorry. It's okay. Was there like a commercial or a myth that if you bit into a cert, you could see like a spark? I don't believe that's a myth. I'm pretty sure Is that that's real? legitimate. Yeah. Why? Let's look. I totally forgot about that till right now. Cert spark in the dark. Yep. I just watched it spark. But why does it happen? Now, you can see a spark with your naked eyes if you do this in the dark, usually through rubbing or shearing or, you know, cleaving off a piece of a crystalline structure. But there's several different. Uh, so there's crystals inside of certs. And when you bite into them, you're shearing that crystal. And what YouTube has now told me <laughs> is that is triboluminescence and it is legitimate. And I just watched a video of it sparking. Now that I remember it, I remember then being scared to eat certs. Once I heard that, I was like, no, I don't want it sparking in my mouth. Is Catch me on fire? fire. I'm going to start a fire. I'm going to explode. <laughs> That's a good call. I'd completely forgotten about that. <laughs> okay. So just a few other things I wrote down. The computers and the phones at the New York Times office. Yes. Obviously, that's of the time. There's a part where Dean is trying to make Jonathan feel better about the fact that he hasn't seen Sarah. And he's like, British women don't age well. He's like, when you met her, she was baby spice. Now she'd be, and Jonathan's like, old spice. <laughs> <laughs> Again, you know, Spice Girls reference. Yes. I noticed Eve's shoes played by Molly Shannon. It looked like some Steve Madden's she had on and some cork wedges that reminded me of candies. Uh, candies? I, I don't know if they were candies or not, but, you know, that particular brand. But they definitely had a distinct style. Okay. Sarah had some real clunky boots on. Oh, uh, yes. I remember those. Yes. And then they were both rocking some boot cut jeans. Now, are boot cuts making a comeback? Yeah, they are. Ugh, I'm going to have to redo my whole jean no, listen, inventory. We do what we want to do. I actually bought some boot cut jeans recently and I tried to wear them and I felt very weird. You didn't like them? No. All right, listen, I'm not changing if you're not. <laughs> so we just stick with what, what we like yeah. and what we feel comfortable in. How That's about right. that? That's right. Now, I mean, maybe there will be a time I'll put them on and I'll, I'll like them and I'll feel confident enough to wear them. But honestly, it's like people talk about how these things are back in style, but everywhere I go, people are still wearing, yeah. you know, skinny jeans or leggings or, you know, not bootcut jeans or not flare jeans, even though that's what they're selling I'm not seeing people wearing them where we live. So I feel like I stick out like a sore thumb if I'm rocking these and these people think I'm dated. <laughs> yeah. Well, here's the thing, though, like maybe which would be great, right? Because it used to be like for that time, that's all anybody would wear no matter where you went. Yeah. Maybe it could be more of a mixing of styles, like where it's like, yeah, it's okay to wear these flare leg jeans. Yes. Or it's also okay to wear your skinny or, you know. Slim cut jeans. Right. And I feel like I'm a little more comfortable with like a, a slightly more relaxed fit. Yes. But I just feel like I don't want to be a victim of trying to fit in with trends yeah. when I'm 43 years old. <laughs> and I, I'm not that I think that that's too old to care about how you look, but I think that it's too old to wear something that you're not comfortable in. Right. 
There you go. Totally agree. (laughs) And the last thing I really wanted to say about this movie, it's very apparent that I love it and I was very into it for a long time. I mean, I still love it. I just wanted to talk about how this movie opened up a part of me that really started to believe in magic, fate, destiny, serendipity. Like I was a romantic from a very young age, Mm -hmm. but I was 22 when this came out. Yeah. Right. And not only had I seen signs and had those happy accidents happening in my own life, but even in the movie, there were things that freaked me out in a good way. But like the big thing was that there are tulips in the serendipity window, which were my favorite flower at the time. I still love them. They had been for years. I only knew a few things that I wanted in my wedding. You know how people plan their weddings well before they're ever going to get married. Oh, yeah. The main thing that I knew I wanted was that I wanted purple, yellow, and white tulips as my flowers in my wedding. This changed, of course, by the time that you and I got married. I think the world of Pinterest really helped change that ideal aesthetic for me. Granted, you know, we're always changing. Absolutely. Because I think even now I would pick something different for our wedding if I was planning it right now, just aesthetically. What would you change? Just kidding. Don't go. (laughs) (laughs) I probably wouldn't do a barn theme. What would you do, though? I would just want something. Well, I'd probably now looking back on it, knowing what I know now, I would do like a a, we would elope. Would you maybe do a destination wedding, do a destination wedding up on top of a mountain overlook with just a limited set of people? No, I wouldn't do a mountain. That was my suggestion on the first go around. <laughs> Sorry, I, I digress. Not not to detour too much. But say you did a full wedding, okay? Not a small one. How would the aesthetic change and how would the location change for a realistic ideal wedding now versus our barn themed wedding previously? Realistic probably wouldn't be outside. Okay. Just because then you don't have to worry about the elements at all. Probably like at a nice hotel in there, if they have it like a nice space that didn't look cheesy, that didn't look like a a ballroom where they do conventions. Right. You know, but like just somewhere like that where then you have the reception there as well. It's all easy. People can stay in that same hotel. We can stay in that same hotel. Yeah. And I would have it where, you know, that staff are the ones that took care, care of everything. the cleanup and the all that so that our friends and family and we didn't have to be a part of any of that. <laughs> <Yes>. <laughs> all right. All right. Sorry. Anyway. Keep going. <laughs> what was I going to say? So anyway, like the romantic person that I am and then I see my wedding flowers in the serendipity window. I was just like, oh, what does that mean? You know, I don't know what it meant, but I just thought it meant something. Right. Yeah. And when we see the flowers, when I notice the flowers, because it was spring now, mm-hmm. is when Jonathan and Dean are going to find the roommate finder service that is above serendipity. They go and now it's no longer a roommate finder service, but it's a bridal shop Yeah, called Bless the Bride. <laughs> so I was just like, not only are these my wedding flowers, now the place they were looking for is a bridal shop above serendipity. I mean, I, it just means I'm going to get married. <laughs> And it did. That's absolutely what it meant. (laughs) Just not that year. Just not that year or anywhere near that year. Also, I noticed today I I was reminded again, the cups that they're toasting with at the end of the movie when they're at the store. Yes. For their anniversary have purple tulips on them. The cups do. Oh, did they? Yes. I'm like, what is it about purple tulips in this movie? It's very observant. And I mean, if if it's something that, you know, is a favorite thing of yours, it's going to stand out to you. Sure. You know what I mean? Right. Like if Darth Vader was on the side of the cup, I would. You would notice it. it. Yeah. Yeah. (laughs) So, I mean, these things are probably more of a coincidence than a serendipitous moment. Right. But I still got chills when I saw it. You know, it still was like, what does that mean? (laughs) 
And I love moments like that. You know, I still love moments like that. I call them synchronicities now, you know. Yeah. But I don't know. This just really speaks to my my little, uh, I don't know how to describe it. Your inner magical being. <laughs> there you go. <laughs> uh, I love inner, it. Speaks to your inner self. Yes. That's attuned to the magic of the universe. There you go. I love it. <laughs> well, happy holidays to you and yours. Yes. We've now done one of your favorite movies of all time. We've oh, done it. I think this would probably be in my top five list. All right. Well, I'm happy we got to do it. I am too. Thanks. Thanks for participating. And thanks for listening. We'll see you on the flip side. That's right. Take it easy. Bye-bye. If you don't know what we're talking about there, <laughs> you should come hang out at our house. Because <laughs> we've talked about it. No, no. Cut that, <laughs> cut that. <laughs> Thank <laughs> you.